Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the Sun Ranto Show. Just a quick word before we start about podcast ads. Did you know that every time you download the Sun Ranto Show and there are ads on the show like you just did, that I get a penny? One penny. Well, that's not enough to keep the lights on here at the Sun Ranto Podcast. So if you enjoy the show, I'm just going to ask you, could you make that penny a dollar and join us at patreon.com slash sunranto? Just a dollar. One dollar a month. That's all we ask. You can pay all at once, and then it's only like $11 because there's a discount. You get all sorts of perks. You get to join the Sun Ranto Super Ranters, where I do post games uh, oftentimes. Uh, you can get all the music. You can get a Sun Ranto calendar. Uh, you can buy us tickets and beer and uh, pay for StreamYard and for batteries and tickets and um, advertising and headphones. And plus, 10% of all the money that gets pooled together from our Patreon goes straight to the Lost Boys program where we help kids in Chicago play baseball and build our damn community. So please make that penny a dollar and stop downloading this version of the show where I'm getting ripped off and your time's getting wasted and my time's getting wasted. It sucks. But if Patreon was cooking, I wouldn't do this. So, patreon.com slash sunranto. And do us a solid. Turn that penny into a buck. Here's the show. This is a Rock Room production. Well, this week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The Sun Ranto Show is also brought by our partners. Locker Room. Um, Every single Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Time, Crawley, Michael, and I, and you, will be discussing a different Cubs-related topic. This last week, we talked about Cubs throughout history that we've disliked. Uh, Before, we talked about our greatest moments at Wrigley. So every single Tuesday on the Locker Room app, and unfortunately it's only for iOS people, so iPhone people and iPad people, you can come and join us and tell us about your favorite time at Wrigley and your most hated Cubs player. We'll have something every single week that's a little bit different and have a different kind of discussion than the podcast and the live show and all that we do here at the Sun Ranto Show. So it's uh, Locker Room's free, it's audio only, and uh, you can participate. So Follow at Sunranto Show on 
locker room. And um, that's all you got to do. Just follow, join in. You can be invited to speak. Uh, we, you can ask to speak. You can uh, interact with us. It's just, it's a fun little app. It's kind of like a Clubhouse, but it's called Locker Room. And it's sports related. So download it to your phone and uh, we'll get together. Back to the show. So, uh, most hated Cubs of all time. Uh, I've, I found a few lists online, and I think it's hilarious that it's always the same people <laughs> that everybody hates. <laughs> so, it's like there, there really is no conversation to be had. I'm curious if anybody else comes up, and um, I, would, I would maybe start to see, and of course, I just see Grant and Carrie, you guys are in the room, and loved it. Here's your take on this, but uh, why don't you start first, Crawley? Because I know that besides Albert Almora, you might have somebody else. Oh, yeah. You know, I, you got to remember, man, I've been around this area for so long, going to conventions and shit like that. And whether it's Club 400, I've gotten to meet a lot of players and and other players that I haven't met, but just disliked with a passion. And, and you think, oh, just because they're on the Cubs, I love them. But that doesn't necessarily mean the case. I'll give you a good example. 2004, uh, the Cubs got uh, Greg Maddox back, which was awesome. But the big weakness of the 2003 team was the bullpen. So they brought a bunch of good bullpen players in, and they turned out to suck and be assholes at the same time. Uh, chief among them, Kent Merker. If you remember Kent Merker, he was a bullpen piece that was supposed to do well. And then the Cubs had a complete meltdown in September, the old September swoon. And Kent Merker, for some odd reason, got lit up. And he was, uh, you know, Steve Stone and Chip Carey were the broadcast team. And uh, at that time, apparently, uh, Kent Merker went up and started chewing out Stoney. And so that caused a big fight. And Steve Stone and Chip Carey both did not return after that. Yeah. So you're saying... Most people, most people were happy that Chip didn't return, but Stony, everybody was. Uh, uh, we did all hear that there was a big uh, dust up, and that was you're saying that was Merck. Yes, sir. But he he didn't make any of the list, so that's actually a brand new one. Yeah, I figured I'd kind of switch it up. I know what people were thinking to hear, but I was gonna go a little bit di- different. You know what I mean? And so. Uh, Merker and Stoney had a fl- fight on the charter, and that was it. And then the next thing you know, these guys are all gone. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. I, I really wasn't following too much at that time. Um, I I only know like some of the more recent ones, you know, for me. But I think the first one that I would like to bring up, and he made a lot of these lists, was Ian Stewart. And it's not just because he sucked, and and uh, you know, he was the guy that was uh, traded for um, uh, DJ LeMahieu or we got LeMahieu for Ian Stewart's Theo's first stupid move. Like, it's like, uh, he was just terrible. Um, he couldn't hit. He got hurt right away. It was, he just barely even played. And then, you know, that was like 2012, right? Or something like that, or I, I think. And Cubs were so bad. And, Ian Stewart, like, would people talk smack about the team on Twitter, like, back then? And that's when I was just getting started with Twitter. Ian Stewart was a total asshole to everybody, too. Then he was gone, 
and I'm sure he never wants to come back to Chicago again. But I think that's I think that's the first Cub I ever remember not liking because I mean maybe Milton Bradley, but I I kind of you know we didn't know as much about the Milton Bradley saga of everything that went down with all that and how it ended up with like his wife getting killed and going to jail. Like we didn't know that then. So I didn't really hate him when he was on the team, you know what I mean? Except for, you know, sucking and making that one stupid move. Here's the, here's the thing is, is when I, uh, Milton Bradley is an interesting one because he had a lot of problems. He would have outbursts. And this was in places like Oakland and, and other places that he was at where he would, like, get violent and all this shit. And then he went to Texas and had a really good season or two over in Texas. But I was always concerned because, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, in Oakland, you may have, like, one beat reporter or something like that. You know how it is in Chicago. And this was around 2009 when they signed him. And I was concerned. I, and I brought this up to Jim Hendry at CubsCon. I'm like, you know, Milton Bradley kind of has a temperament and, and yeah, when you're in Texas and nobody gives a shit about your team, you know what I mean? Not a, not a big deal. But when you're in Chicago and you're like the premier free agent, you're going to have people all over your ass all the time. I mean, look at how Chris Bryant's treating, you know what I mean? And so this is, he's a, he's a lovable puppy dog. Right. And so Milton Bradley had a bad attitude, shitty, this and that. I will say this though, at CubsCon, he was a nice guy. Like sometimes these guys like, Kevin Gregg's another asshole I can't stand. Like, guys will just get up, push things out of the way. It doesn't matter if it's kids, adults, doesn't matter. Just, like, I have to be here because I'm here and go fuck yourself. Milton Bradley sat there after his panel was done for another 30 minutes just signing. I didn't get anything. I didn't want him. But, uh, you know, he was a really nice guy about it. So, I mean, like I said, I wasn't surprised that he probably was violent off, off the field because of how he was on the field. But uh, I didn't have a bad experience with him. Um, getting back to Ian Stewart, though, uh, Danny, you and I were both listening to uh, Ivy Envy back in the day, and the most fun sort of thing that came out of that in this uh, this like Cubs Twitterverse world uh, community that we have now was the horsey sauce for Ian Stewart. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, but tell the story. It, it, during one of their shows, they were talking about how Ian Stewart had an injury and it was some sort of a fluid pocket, like on his elbow or something like he got hit. And, you know, sometimes you get like a, a sack of fluid that gets created and they got to pop that thing and drain it or whatever. And somehow they went from there to the, that it was Arby's horsey sauce in his arm and then, you know, and then all, and then, and then they just went off on a tangent on Arby's horsey sauce and, uh, Ian Stewart for the next like 20 minutes of that show. And, and you know what? Ivy Envy's dead, but the horsey sauce Ian Stewart lives on. <laughs> Looking at his numbers here, you know, his last year, uh, playing was for the, uh, uh well, no, he, he, it was second to last year. He came back and then played 24 games with the Angels in 2014, but he was injured after being a Cub in 2012. But, I, I mean, this was – talk about a teardown. So he bats 156 in 136 plate appearances for Colorado. Like, how do you bat 156 for Colorado? Well, it, like, it's hard not to only do. that. Not only that, I think – 
uh, I think Kaplan tells a story about how he heard from the writers over there that the LeMayhew Stewart trade was going to happen and the writers knew it was going to be the worst trade ever without like LeMayhew's upside had nothing to do with it. They just already knew what kind of a D bag Stewart was and they knew it was going to go bad. But uh, I've heard Kaplan actually tell that story before. Yeah. Not, not a popular cub. Um, who else Grant, you got? Grant Freeman has somebody. Grant, you want to come in? We can uh, give him an invite. Let him talk. Yeah. Well, Grant, he's the only I, other one in here, so he may as well come on and talk to us. Yeah. Yeah, Grant, come on and talk to us. Uh, Latroy Hawkins. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, Grant. What's up, man? How are you doing? Am I the only one else in here? Uh, uh, Steve just like came Steve, in now, too. Steve Scher just job, jumped in, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember I was really excited for that LaTroy Hawkins signing. And then at the end of it, he was like, during interviews, he'd say stuff like, I don't want reporters at my lockers or anything like that. And he just completely imploded at the end of the 04 season. And, uh, I know he had like some like racist stuff happening and people were sending him like crappy letters and everything like that. So I wasn't one of those, but I just remember absolutely hating him (laughs) at the end of 04. Grant, he was one. I I brought up Kent Merker. The other one was Latroy Hawkins. And the big thing was he was supposed to be the setup guy. He was an elite setup guy, I think, for Minnesota before we we signed him. Yeah, he was. He was with Minnesota for eight years before the Cubs got him for 2004-2005. Yeah. Right. So he was an elite setup guy, and that's exactly what we needed. And then what happened is uh, you remember Sweaty Joe, Jobo, Joe Borowski. Uh, Joe Borowski got injured and the first time like afterwards and, and like uh, Latroy Hawkins is being interviewed and Grant, you bring up about how he was with the media. The first thing he says is you can't do what I do. And it was just a complete asshole to the, to the beat writers, to everybody, to the fans. And this was, I'm, I don't know. I can't tell you when he got letters versus not letters. I'm just telling you, he, he came off as such a dickhead and then he blew like so many saves in September to kill that season. Yeah. Yeah, he ended up moving uh, another one that moved on and ended up with uh, Colorado. I actually watched him come out and pitch terribly in a couple of games that <laughs> I was actually at in Colorado. Michael, you'd, la- you'd laugh at this, Michael. I'm trying to remember the game because my brother always says it was the first game because my, my sister-in-law was pregnant, so they always count that as his first game. But I want to say Latroy Hawkins gave up uh, – he blew a save – Trying to remember if it was Javi or who, but uh, Latroy Hawkins blew the save against the Cubs, so we always kind of still get a good laugh at that. It wasn't. I mean, who knows? I, I Danny, do you remember who was pitching when Javi hit that homer in the tenth in his debut? Was it Latroy Hawkins? I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering. Now that we're talking about this, and Latroy was in Colorado after the Cubs. And Crawley's talking about his brother seeing that, you know, seeing Javi kind of take him downtown. I wonder if that was the game that we were at. Yeah, well, I'll look it up right now. It was, that would uh, have right been amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, it was right after a John Baker day, right? I I'm believe. Thinking, uh, never mind. It was it was a six to five loss. Our, the Cubs won six to five. It was Dexter Fowler with two outs and two strikes in the top of the ninth. 
Oh, I was at I was at that game. I was actually on TV. The uh, that ball landed about five rows in front of me, and I was going down to try and catch it, and some old lady caught it. And uh, you know, she's high fiving everybody, and you know, so I ended up on TV high fiving the old lady who was sitting in the front row there. Huh. So if, uh, if that's the game that I'm thinking, because I, I do believe it is, because that was Fowler returning to Colorado. Correct. And so what happens is it's the ninth inning, and uh, Boone Logan starts the inning. He strikes out Miggy, and then they bring Latroy in for two outs, and he walks Arizmendi Alcantara, and then he struck out the famous Mike Alt, gave up a single to Wellington Castillo before Fowler took him deep. Yeah, that. That sounds right. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so um, well, yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Grant. I'd like he made a lot of lists too. I would like to bring up uh, a recent kind of uh, addition, uh, Daniel Murphy, who, who I I had followed him. I mean, obviously we saw him. A first of all, he kicked the shit out of us when he was with the Mets in 2015. He just had that insane series, that NLCS when the Cubs were first arriving. And then like, that was annoying as hell. And, but then the backstory of it is, um, that he had some like pretty, uh, problematic comments about gay people and saying he didn't agree with the homosexual lifestyle and I disagree with it. And then, you know, and so, um, when we signed him, you know, everybody already didn't like him from kicking our ass in 2015. But then, you know, we're like, okay, we begrudgingly take him on. He was good for a fucking week, and then he was horrifyingly terrible after that. Like, what? I mean, he, he had one good week, and then he couldn't hit anything. And this Daniel Murphy, who's, like, basically known for hitting every single thing that moves. Did, yeah, I, that was, booed, I booed his ass. That was a tough one because, like you said, just, just all-around jerk of a person crushed us. I had never seen anything like that terror that he went on in 2015. That was unreal. So he ended our 2015 season. And, and then, again, okay, now he's back, and maybe he'll help out somehow. And he, like you said, one week he couldn't hit after that, and he, couldn't, he never could field that well. He was just awful in the field, just brutal. He was a statue. Oh, yeah, everybody called him a statue. Now, uh, you know, just to keep the theme going, Daniel Murphy signed with the Rockies after the Cubs. This is hilarious because uh, the podcast I listened to, the Purple Dinosaur podcast, um, just they had all the same problems we had. It was like listening to our podcasts again, but with a Rockies tinge to it. They hated Daniel Murphy and he showed up. He played exactly one week of good baseball, and then he was terrible. He was just not good the whole rest of the time he was there, and uh, he was actually on a fairly good team. They were good. That was back – I think he was on the team that beat the Cubs in the wild card game, and they were – so the team itself was good, but he was – like a very highly paid black hole. And uh, just another reason now, if you look back 2020 vision, all that stuff, uh, they dump Arenado this year for money. Well, you know, they dumped a bunch of money on that guy. 
Hey, let's get Steve Schur in here. What is Steve Schur's opinion? Get Steve in here. Give him an invite. All right, Steve. Uh, I'm going to invite you on to speak. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at Daniel Murphy here. He was actually batting 300. I mean, it's not as bad as we remember it. Just uh, He was batting 300, 341, 442 with a 784 OPS. And he ended with a 299, 336, 454, and a 790 OPS. So, like, it was, it, his OPS actually went up, and his batting average went slightly down. But he actually was it's a 300 hitter for us, but somehow it felt so horrible. Well, he was terrible in the field, for one. And I don't know, it, it might be one of those things that sometimes guys rack up some good numbers and you think, well, this is pretty good. But when when was he doing like if you know, if he's getting singles with nobody on base, then that doesn't really help anybody. You know, well, his, OP, his OPS went up. I mean, yeah. So he didn't drive. He doesn't drive in a lot of runs. Only 42 right. on that whole year. So if you want to speak. Just hit the uh, the I want to speak button, speaker request, and I can let you in if you want to come on. You got Josh, Steve, and Grant. We already heard from, but if you have somebody else, Grant, like by all means, hate away. Well, um, Danny, you said you have a bunch of lists. Who popped up the most on those lists? Well, uh, there are. Let's see. Let me go back here. Um, See, uh, Zambrano made a bunch of lists, and you know, <laughs> he, he was a frustrating dude because uh, he's very talented, but like he, his temper really got in the way of him focusing and being a a good person who probably would have been a good teammate. But he, I mean, he literally like got in fights with Derek Lee, and I and and. and Michael Barrett, too, right? He split Michael Barrett's eye. The first game that I ever took my son to was Cubs versus <laughs> Cubs versus Dodgers. And he sat there, and Zambrano's on the mound. And I'll never forget this. He gets a, he gets a hit because he could hit. He was a good-hitting pitcher. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a, there's a single, and he goes first to third. He's hauling. The, the third base coach is, like, putting up the stop sign. He blows through the stop sign, gets tagged by, like, Four feet, like the catcher's like waiting for him, having like a snack, like and just absolutely nailed him at the plate. He comes back out and absolutely just can't throw anymore. Completely lost the zone. He gets he gets lit up like a pinata, and the fans boot him off. And he started like signaling like a choking sign, and then like pointing at his head and and kind of smirking at the fans. It looked like WWE wrestling. You know what? He would be a great WWE wrestler. I mean, what? I mean, I think he would probably do well like the, the showmanship i mean it was interesting to see him at club 400 a couple years ago and was that 2019 because he seems so contrite i mean but if you recall didn't he leave early uh no that was that was no he didn't leave early he was there for his his basically was a, uh, an appearance that he made and he did the he did the pictures and he did the uh autographs but he didn't it was it was wilson's show so that was right. like just Wilson on the on the on the big stage. But he was I've heard a lot of really positive things about him. Um as far as just when it just once he gets competitive, he can be a total asshole. Yeah. Yeah, that's that seems to be the issue with him because 
he did wear all those emotions on his sleeve, which like Danny, I think you were saying before that can be great. And it can also be terrible too. Yeah. He, remember when he threw that ball, like, like over the stadium or did he throw it at the fans? <laughs> I, I'll never forget. There's a fight and he was getting ready to fight and he took off his belt and was starting to whip his belt. <laughs> See, now that's just smart. That's just, you know, Hey, he happens to be wearing a weapon around his waist. <laughs> now I have a player that I hate and I hate that I hate him. Does that make sense? Yes. So one of my dad's favorite players all time, uh, was Santo and, uh, Randy Huntley. And I, and I loved Randy. I, I've gotten to know him. I mean, you, back in the old Cub Con day, you could belly up next to him in the bar and hear stories. And he's really funny. He won't swear. Uh, he always uses the word bloomin' and my fanny and all this stuff. You know, just total hillbilly funny. But he was funny. And we've gotten to meet him at Club 400 a whole bunch of times. Great guy. Todd Huntley, his son. Oh, yeah. say he played with the he played with the Mets for a long time and he was really good. He was like an all star with the Mets. Then he went to the Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, went to the Dodgers, and then we got him. And you know, it was kind of like exciting, like oh, it's Randy's kid. And and, and he used to, I think he was from Hersey, or no, I don't know if he was from Hersey or he played against Hersey High School, Danny, which was a local school by us. Um, uh, but but yeah, oh, he, went to, he went to Fremd. He went that. to Fremd. That's what it was. And my friend was coaching at Hersey and and used to used to watch. Todd play and uh god he was he would he just came to the Cubs and he couldn't have been a more unappreciative like at one time the fans were on him and he flicked him off after he had a home run he was just not it just really was like oh boy that's why it's like I never mentioned Todd ask about Todd when I'm around uh, Randy because it was just like such a bad memory I mean what do you expect out of a 32 33 year old catcher it's not his fault he sucks now you know what I mean? Like, it's like he was an all star in 1996, and then a uh, couple more uh, foul tips off the, you know, off the hands, and a couple more years squatting back there, and you're you're going to be out of the game at some point. And he was, uh, he got he had 21 more games with the Dodgers at, after he left the Cubs. Uh, he had two years stint with the Cubs, and that was it. So he didn't do bad with the Dodgers. I mean, when they come sign him, I mean, this is so common. I mean, he'll, he was with the Dodgers in 2000, bats 2 at 84, pops 24 dogs. Cubs are like, ooh, this 31-year-old catcher still's got it. <laughs> and then the next year, he bats 187 <laughs> with, with half the home runs. I mean, just nothing. And he oh, wasn't able to even get out there more. He must have been hurt because he was only out there. Um, let's see, 276 plate appearances. What's the strike year? 94. 94, 94 yeah. But, <laughs> and, and you know that the Cubs were hyping him. And, uh, you know, guys like Crawley's dad, you know, they knew Randy and all these things. And they were, you know, I, I just remember there being a buzz about him coming. I don't think I – during that time frame, I don't think I went to any games, but yeah, I just remember there being a buzz about him and just the fact that he's Randy's son and all that stuff. And then it just didn't, he just never played well. What about? Um, well, folks, there's a ton of sports action this week. NFL draft, Kentucky Derby is back. It's the first leg of the triple crown it begins this weekend. 
And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And we thank them for sponsoring the Sunranto Show, which you're now going to listen to again. Yeah, yeah, he made. He, I was gonna say he made the list. Uh, it, it, a lot of the lists, uh, but oh. yeah, who are you gonna bring up? Someone else. Well, I was I wondering was gonna... if anyone was still bitter about uh, Ryan Terrio. Yeah, he's on the list. Uh, he's got a bunch of lists. Well, and it was mostly because, like, we, see, I never really liked the. I was never really a Cajun connection guy. You know, like I always thought we could have done better. Up, up the middle there, like I was never impressed by that all that much. Um, but then when he went to the Cardinals and he said, "Oh, I'm on the right side of the rivalry now," and I know you're supposed to say that shit, and I understand that. But you know what else you can do? Don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, don't say anything. Just you know, just play it off like, "Oh, I enjoyed my time there, but I'm here now, and this is where my heart is, and all that stuff." Um, no, I was. I actually did kind of – I was into the, the whole Cajun connection thing. I thought that was a great storyline, but this isn't pro wrestling. You know what I mean? It's like real sports, and the storyline is only the storyline. It wasn't that great on the field. Uh, I remember I took a buddy of mine to a baseball game uh, at Wrigley when Terrio was playing – and uh, we went out there, we sat in the bleachers and hung out. And that day, I we went across the street, and for his birthday, I was going to buy him a jersey. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, we walked into, uh, is it is it Sports World or Wrigley World right across the way? Yeah, like the Sports one that's World. still there. Yeah, so we walk in there. They've got, you know, they got Sandberg jerseys up there, Santo, Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, all the guys, you know? And... I'm like, dude, you know, because obviously I'd had a few pops in the, you know, in the game and I was kind of feeling my oats and I'm like, I'll, I'll buy you a jersey, 150 bucks or whatever. Like it was just kind of a stupid thing on my part. But I kind of got sobered up real quick when he was like, I want a Terrio jersey. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> <Get him. laughs> we, well, that's, I, I mean, I put like, that- I, and I didn't know what to say. To him, you know what I mean. I just told him no. You, have you say no. Jersey. You can't have that one. <laughs> a different, get a different one. Right, and it was bad. But I ended up, you know, I, I like, I, I guess I tried to talk him out of it. But then I was like, I mean, that's the one that you want. It was, it was, it was probably my first parenting experience when my when a kid was going to buy something. I knew that they they wouldn't want in like. You know, two weeks they would just wouldn't want it. So, but yeah. Well, that Ontario jersey made uh, the song "Cup Snake Guy." I, I make fun of it in there. It's, it, that's what the Cup Snake guy who gets drunk and the, the bleachers makes a bunch of Cup Snakes, and he's going to lose his Terrio jersey tonight. Nice. That's it, yes. It, it, so it did make it. It so that was funny to me because I don't like old, Yeah, then that's my old friend right there, probably wearing his Terrio jersey in there. Out of curiosity, Danny, I want to know who else made the list. 
Um, yeah, uh, Milo Hamilton made the list. Fucking who? So Milo, Milo Hamilton was yeah. was a broadcaster. And uh, basically, like, so do you remember, like, this is kind of very similar to what happened with Sam Brenneman, but basically Milo Hamilton was kind of in waiting for the Cubs job. Jack Brickhouse was about to be put out to pasture. And all of a sudden, like, a bunch of things just kind of happened where uh, where the Sox got bought by Jerry Reinsdorf. So Vex sells him to Reinsdorf. And then, uh, and someone else, I can't remember who else was on the partnership on that. And the Sox were going to go from being on, you know, regular TV to cable, which at that time, everyone was like, why would you go to cable? No one's going to be able to watch you. And Harry's contract was done. And he's like, I'm not interested in being on cable. So the Cubs pick him up and swoop him. And so Hamilton thinks that that's his job and, and basically that Harry stole it. And so like he was, he just absolutely just sat there and bitched and moaned when he was on the Cubs with Harry. I think it was like another, year or two after the Harry signing. And then he goes to Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's pretty beloved down there. I know. Right. But like, he never, like he always hated Harry Carey, never got over it, bitched about him every chance. Anytime anyone mentioned Harry Carey, he just was a complete asshole about it. Well, on this thread, you got to add Thom Brenneman into this. Like how much does he hate the Cubs? And it's just like, dude, we never would have had a problem with you until you freaked out so much about the Cubs all the time, you know? Like, um, I, I understand that his dad's, like, what, long time for the Reds and shit, but Tom was a Cubs broadcaster. So Tom um, was going to basically, again, and this is this is uh, this time it was Harry's fault. Well, you know, the first time wasn't Harry's fault, you know what I mean? Like, he got offered the job. But Sam was pretty much the heir apparent, uh, and, and was supposed to kind of be in waiting. And then, uh, Harry wanted Chip to, so that was supposed to happen at the end of 97. That's when they hired, uh, Chip. And that kind of really, like, Sam was kind of not happy about that. So, uh, so it was supposed to be Harry was supposed to broadcast along with his grandfather. And he passed away before they ever broadcast a game together. But how could you be mad about a situation in which a guy is, you know, takes your job because it's like a grandson grandfather situation? Yeah, it's it's a nepotism thing. I think some people just he just didn't, he, he felt like he paid his dues and uh, he had we've been waiting and kind of got screwed over. I guess was his opinion on it. But yeah, how do you but blame he, an entire fan base? You know, like, and, and I mean, how do you how do you act so salty in public and make yourself the target of hatred? When well, you could I, just be above it. I just love the fact that that's what got him so upset, right? Was that Harry got the job for his grandson. And then what did he do? He went to the Reds and just took the job that his dad got him. Dad got like, him, yeah. Fine. Screw you guys. Pick my ball. I'm going home, and my dad's going to get me new friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sosa makes a lot of these lists. Um, I, I the don't. Box. That that is that's always kind of bugged me that he makes a lot of these hate lists because that last season there were some issues for sure, but he was literally like everybody loved him all the way up to that point. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. It always, no, I, I understand I what you're saying. It, it, it's hard. There's always been a contingent in Chicago that didn't like him, who, who thought that he played 
selfish baseball. But there was another group, like I, like for me in the 90s, like the Cubs suck so bad. Like it was just fun to just watch him hit these monster dongs. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, so I mean, like that was fun, but I kind of – so it would be all these dumb things where it always would seem like sometimes Sammy would get the home run when it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Was, or like he'd be swinging out of his shoes when he, some of the same complaints that you hear a little bit with Baez where he'd be swinging out of his shoes when if you just got an opposite hit single, it would be better for the team. And the one that always drove people nuts is he would always kind of, he would never hit the cutoff man. He'd be always like try to throw some guy out and it would just always end up causing bases. So like if you were like a, if you were like a, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the bay. He didn't play great team baseball. Right. And so, and, and, and that was a big fight that he got in with Kenny Lofton in 2003. And so him and Lofton did, Lofton's like, what the fuck, dude? This isn't about you. It's about the team and doing what's, you know what I mean? It's not about your numbers. It's not about patent shit. Like do what's right for the team. And then Sammy pulled the, this and that. And, and a lot of the players that other people like, like Mark Grace and Kerry Wood didn't like how Sammy, the Cubs made a monster. Okay. And so they allowed him to do whatever he wanted and behaved however he wanted. And they allowed it as long as he was productive. And then when he wasn't, they kind of just shit him. See, so that, that makes a lot more sense because it always felt like, and kind of with Zimbrano as well, it, it, it happened so quickly that everybody turned on him. It almost felt like when it happened, like everybody had just been waiting to turn on him. They're like, Sure, we're going to love you right now because you're hitting the home runs and all that stuff. But man, just I can't wait until you screw up one time so I can get you. But the the types of things that you're talking about, that probably would have bugged me. I wasn't paying that close attention close of attention back then, you know. Right. A, so well, he would he would sit there and like all the players would try to get in early and you know try to make a great impression and and just be hustling and working and he would always come at the very last minute and all the reporters knew by the day by the time when he would be there and he would come in and ba- make a big spectacle. This is my house. Welcome to my house. I'm back. Da 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 da. And then the other thing is that like normally traditionally in clubhouses, the starting pitcher is the guy that's going to pick the music. And Sammy used to have this gigantic boom box and just play salsa at the top of like, like, like the old, what is it? Uh, what was that? Uh, spinal tap that he would play it at 11. He would just crank the shit out of it and annoy the hell out of everybody. So on the last day of the 2004 season, this is still an argument and a fight between Dusty and Sammy, whether he was given permission to leave or whether he left on his own. He leaves early, like in like the third or fourth inning. He denies it. They find him on camera leaving, which the Cubs conveniently released the video of that. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things that the, I, the rumor is it was Kerry Wood that destroyed the boombox with a bat. Yeah. Michael, are you chopping up a body? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I have been hitting the mute, and I forgot to hit the mute that time. <laughs> so. um, can, I, I want to bring up somebody and I'm more than curious if, if this is is a I mean I'll just say his name Aroldis Chapman I think even though I don't think you win the World Series without them um, without him I, I think he might be not a like you, you know you grit your teeth and, and you kind of don't you hold your nose and then you think about a role this Chapman being a Cubs player. I'm so glad he wasn't on the mound when they finally won it, and it was, uh, you know, Montgomery. But what do you think about that as a nominee? 
so that's hard for me because I kind of, I kind of, the best way to kind of put it is there's a lot of these guys that are assholes off the field, but kind of have a good public persona. Does that make sense? And if you knew what half these guys did, a lot of guys that you would say are great play. I mean, Mark Grace, like my mom was the biggest Mark Grace fan in the entire world. Uh, and, and, uh, thought that he was like, like the greatest guy, such a nice guy. Look at him. He's always smiling and like, but like off the field, he was kind of a, kind of a dick. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and so it's those type of things is sometimes it's better to not know your heroes and who they are. Um, I when agree. I think about I guys that I, that. <laughs> uh, when I think about guys that I hate, uh, that work that played in the Cubs uniform or broadcasted, those were guys that like just treated the team like shit and treated the fans like shit. I guess like when it comes to the off the field stuff, it, it's, it's, it, it's hard sometimes. Like I, I realize obviously what he did was unforgivable. You, you can't forgive something like that. And at, at this, you know, at the same time, you know, I watched, you know, what he did. And like you said, Danny, I don't, the Cubs absolutely do not win the World Series without him. Absolutely not. Uh, hey, real quick. Um, yeah, become a Patreon subscriber. dot com slash Sonranto, S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. Why? Because um, uh, doing ads sucks. Listening to ads sucks for you. And it barely pays anybody any money. And you could avoid it all and make me stop doing it if you would just support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. A dollar a month. Three dollars a month buys us each like a beer, kind of, at Wrigley. Um, Five dollars gets all the music. Ten dollars, you get the calendar. There's perks at every level. So just do it. And let's turn the penny I get from saying ads that you just downloaded turn that penny into a dollar okay so I can pay Crawley and I can pay Michael and I can pay for tickets I can pay for beer I can pay for StreamYard and all the and my time for once patreon.com slash sunranto patreon.com slash sunranto patreon.com slash sunranto do it I uh see he doesn't make my list because he honestly doesn't really make my memories of Cubs at all. Like I like when people tell me Aroldis Chapman was on the team, I'm always like, oh yeah, he was. You know, and, and like Danny, you said he wasn't on the mound at the end of the World Series. And that's part of why it's so easy to forget him. He was with the team for two months. Uh I didn't really want him with the team based on, you know, like what Crawley was saying, you shouldn't really He's not not the only total jerk off, but the other jerk offs are at least good enough at it that you know we don't know about most of them, right? So I don't know. He he just doesn't even catch my radar really because I don't think of him as a cub at all. So when you remember the 2015 Royals that won the World Series, it w- they had such a good back of the bullpen. If you did not, if you if you did not have the lead by the seventh inning, the game was over. Seven eight nine was automatic for the Brave for the Royals, and so the Cubs in 2016 they had 
Rondon. Hector Rondon was the closer most of the season and was doing a great job. And Pedro Strope was the setup setup man that was the eighth guy. But then the guys behind them, you know, they're all right. You know what I mean? A lot of them were unproven. Edwards was really young. Monty was really young. Um, you had like Trevor Cahill. You had a couple other guys. But like, uh, you you were about one arm short if you really so what the Cubs were trying to do is emulate what the 2015 Royals did so the way they figure it is they what they called it in the Royals was a three headed monster they wanted the same thing with the Cubs so you if you got to Strope in the seventh Rondon in the eighth Chapman in the ninth they figured they would have it absolutely locked and then both Strope and Rondon got injured in September and. Chapman was really kind of carrying the load. And then by the time he got to the postseason, like Joe was going to throw him till his arm fell off. Yeah. Right. We talked, we talked about that. Throw him till his arm falls off. Uh, no. And I, and I do remember he was definitely a major piece of that, especially when the injuries happened. But for whatever reason, I just, you know, if you, if you told me to just name all the 2016 Cubs or whatever, and I just went through them, there's a really good chance I would just forget about them. You know, I understand what they were doing. That's all fine. They did the right baseball move, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't stick in my head really as a Cub, probably because it was just like a two month rental thing. It was. And and you you kind of just watched him as a player as opposed to as a beloved cub like he, he didn't have the same feeling as as somebody that's been that you know starts with the team and, it, it, and when you know they're a rental you kind of have a different feeling about them even if you don't like them when they're on other teams because Lord knows we hated him as a red they, we f- basically fought him and Rizzo you know had the big fight and you know as a Yankee he's. You know, you hate him just from being a Yankee. So it's it's interesting to when you're just like, okay, you begrudgingly like a guy because of the uniform he's wearing for a couple of months, you know. So I've told you guys before that that uh, that my um, my seats. This is when they used to have the bullpens uh, outside, you know, so you could see them, and then the players would interact with the fans. So my seats were right above the bullpen. And that was where I got, you know, a lot of people would be interested in Twitter. I would have it before <laughs> Len or, or Pat or anybody. I could see when the phone would ring and I could see whose jacket was coming off and I could tweet, blah, blah, blah. I was warming up. And when Chapman got up, it was like, Oh boy, here we go. And then you, he had a walkout song. It was a rage against the machine song. Wake up. And like the place just went like, I mean, the Cubs were so good that year. The, the energy was so electric in the stadium and he would come out there and it was like a tennis match because you would watch the pitch and then you would look immediately at the scoreboard to see what he was hitting on the radar. So it was yeah. like your head was going back, forth, back, forth. I've seen him. I want to say I got a picture of maybe like 104, 105 somewhere where I, I had never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah. So there's a couple other uh, suggestions here. Uh, Brett Brett Anderson, I think, makes your list. You know, you got, you can't, but everybody listens to the show knows about that. Um, yeah, and human wheelchair. It's not even his fault. He was just that he was a dick about it. You know, later, like totally humorless kind of asshole guy. He, he's he's another guy that just wasn't with the team long enough to really make enough of an impression that I would still, you know, be holding a grudge. I'm sorry, Danny. Which, who did you say? Who was the last one? Brett Anderson. Brett oh, Anderson. 
Um, yeah. And then and and then uh, Josh Overhide says, "Whatever became of Addison Russell? Was he a Cub long enough to count?" And I think that is, I mean, controversial, a very sad case. And you know, and I, you know, I think that a lot of people really did hate him for you know the domestic violence that he apologized for, but. Um, I don't think he's going to have lasting hatred in people's hearts. They're just going to have lasting disgust. And it won't be because of the baseball as much of it is just because of what. Because he never really did anything to the fans or talk smack about us. But Right. I, we, I, I, we think, did, I think from a fan perspective, what bothered me is that, okay, you fucked up, but it never seemed like he really got it. Do you get what I'm saying? I think like, he's a sociopath. It also never seemed like the Cubs front office really got it or Madden got it. Like it was part of the reason that I guess I don't pick up so much on the hater for him is that every, there was plenty of blame to go around at that time because they were all kind of screwing that situation up. I, well, I remember, I, mean, I remember it clearly. And I think Theo and Tom had a, had a press conference together and they said all the right things that you want to hear. Was it authentic? I, I'd like to give those two guys the benefit of the doubt on that. This is one that Joe screwed up big time. And I was a big Joe Madden fan and I actually called him out on it at CubsCon. I said, Joe, I love you. I think you're one of the best managers I've ever seen. I'm disappointed at how you handled the Russell. And then he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're disappointed. I'm like, well, I'm like, I thought I told him basically that I thought he should have, he never read what um, Addison Russell's former partner wrote. And I, and so I just thought it, it, he just kind of came off condescending about that whole, the whole situation. Like, like if it's like, you're telling me like, like your player has been accused of something and you didn't even look to see what he was accused of and read it for yourself, you know? And, and then, so regardless of that is that afterwards, I can tell you Addison. So like, you know, the Cubs gave you a second chance. They gave you a second chance that they didn't have to give you. They could have cut your ass and they didn't. And afterwards, he was still that same kind of asshole. Like, he's like, what? I said, I'm sorry. I did the meetings. Like, like he didn't seem to get it. So he would always be out at, like, Bottle Blonde, which was like a, like a total douchebag bar in the city. It's, that's thankfully closed. Yeah, and he was – he was drinking an Amstel light. <laughs> right. And, and I, I know of two friends of mine personally that, were, that he was very, like, handsy and, like, no dude and kind of, like, just get away from me. And so it was like he was given a second chance, and he, and it was like I said, like he thought he was above it all, and never. I don't think he took it serious. I think, and then and then again, if you're gonna fuck up on your teammate and hurt your teammates like that, because he was out when they needed him, that was what 2018. Um, yeah, and he was suspended. You know, you think you come back in 2019 and be the first guy in and be at batting practice early and listen to your coaches and be a completely different guy. And he wasn't. He was the same fucking asshole. He got benched for not know, knowing the signs. Remember? Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't even. I mean, come on, dude. You have one job, and instead you're fucking around. And yeah, I mean, I think people have discussed about that situation. And the thing that pisses me off about him, too, is that I think that they really thought that they were going to build around Addison. You know, you get. You know, that was one of the one trades because that, that was the Samarja trade. So you figure, okay, that was like one of your basic trade pieces that you even had um, when you were blowing up the remnants of like the 708 squad. That was one of the guys you had to, to 
you know, to move and you move him for Russell and then it, Russell ends up being what he was. I mean, if Russell ends up being good and like reaching his potential, you know, you have a pretty hot shortstop and, you know, maybe the second base uh, position wouldn't have been such a big question mark. Maybe Javi never plays there. Maybe Russell ends up playing second, but like he, you know, I, I feel like Theo, as much as he's like, say I draft men of character to be on the team. I think he really fucked up with Russell, you know, and he wasn't his draft pick. So, but he didn't do due diligence on it. No. And I agree with you guys. And, and Carly, I think you said this, that you believed what Theo had to say. And I did believe what he said at the time. And he said all the right things. And I give him the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, that was as far as it ever really went. You know, like they went through all the motions of doing the right thing, but then, you know, then they just, they extended him. You know, they yeah. gave him, we talked about it at the time him, too. They brought him and back it, for no reason. Yeah. They brought him back. And not only do they bring him back, but, you know, Theo made him the poster boy of domestic violence for the team. They bring him back. Everybody's got to go to classes now because of Addison Russell, because it was like Theo's pet project for the moment. I mean, to the point where, like, I know that Baker, John Baker was really involved in, like, all the shit that went down with that and having to, like, basically hold everybody's hand through all this shit. And it's like, but it's fine that you want to do this if it's a goddamn men's group. But it's it's a goddamn baseball team. And so it's, it, you know, so th- you're getting your eye, uh, you know, it's all very necessary, important to be doing this work. But you're a baseball team. And, y- you know, there the, if you want to, you know that there's probably some resentment against Addison Russell from the team if, like, you're made to go to domestic violence classes and you know exactly why and who is making you have to go, you know. But he tried. Theo tried. Um, Cubs are about to – I don't know if you're watching what I'm watching, but Cubs uh, one out, second and third. Very sad about it. <laughs> um, and then uh, the I, I think we should wrap it up. I mean, we didn't really talk about Jim Edmonds. Did you guys hate him? I know Michael hates him kind of. Yeah, he's, he's my guy that I hate. And, again – Along the same lines of uh, people that I I generally would just forget he was on the team uh, is Jim Edmonds, except for I went to a game that he played, and he was in center field. I was sitting in right center bleachers, and he came out for that game, and he was clearly hungover. He was (laughs) slow. He was, like, just kind of – like his his whole body language, everything was bad. Like he just didn't seem good in any way. And then early in that game that I'm watching, he's just he's behind everything. He can't he can't catch up to balls that he should be getting to in center field. Uh, I don't remember who they were playing, but you know the score they score a bunch early. You know, and then the Cubs kind of crawl back into it. And what made this the most annoying thing for me was that he hit a home run late in the game that I think put them ahead at the time. And all those people who were around me, and we all saw how crappy he had been playing. And he just looked 
under the weather, uh, you know, quote unquote, under the weather. And then he hits a home run and everybody's cheering for him and loving him. And I'm like, no, he's still the same jerk that showed up hung over to this game. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe he felt better. You know how it is. Like, you're hungover and you feel like shit and you're dragging ass for your job. And then all of a sudden you get, like, then you feel great. Like, you feel better than great because, like, the sugar, like, reactivates your liver or something. I don't know what happens. I don't doubt that at all. But the point being, the Cubs would have never been down in that game had he just showed up ready to play (laughs) and screwed the, you know, it, it's one of those things just, you know, when somebody does something bad in a game and then, you know, just boneheaded, you're happy to see them kind of right the ship later, but it's not the same sort of like enjoyment because you're like, if he hadn't just screwed up earlier, he wouldn't have had to do the heroic thing. In 2003, it was a three-way race for the division title between the Cubs Cardinals and Astros and uh, the Cubs uh, and Astros kind of started to pull ahead and, and the, and the, uh, and the Cardinals were fading. And I remember Jim Edmonds clearly saying, oh, I hope Houston wins if we're not going to win it. Cause the Cubs don't deserve it. I'm like, you fucking asshole. And oh, so yeah, that's, he that's said the other thing, he was on the Cardinals and he was always a complete jerk there too. So getting him at all just annoyed me. Sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no problem. Because then, to make matters worse, we get him in 2008, and he's the one that catches the final out to clinch the division, which I want to say was the first time the clubs – I can't even remember the last time they clinched a division uh, at at, uh, at home. In 07, yeah. 89, 84, it was all on the road. 84 was in Pittsburgh. 89, it was in Montreal. And 07, it was in Cincinnati. And so I was there. And, and so it had to have been, I, I don't know if they, where they clinched in 45, but that was the last postseason. So it's like, uh, Kerry Wood threw the pitch and Jim Edmonds caught it in center field to end the game. And I was like, God, of any guy to catch the ball, I'm like, anyone else? <laughs> yeah, the, these are all, and, and he's the embodiment. That's the embodiment of what we're talking about here. These guys that are out there in the Cubs uniform that actually play well, but you hate to see it almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and then the last one, I saw this in like on the Facebook chat it, it, when I announced that we were doing this, is, and I think that we just got to bring him up, uh, Cap Anson. No, we weren't alive when he was alive, really. <laughs> but the guy is, like, literally responsible for uh, the color line in baseball. And he was a notorious fucking asshole, not only for that, but for all sorts of other reasons. But we don't have to go into it right now. But I figured we we, we should end on him <laughs> just because, uh, you know, that's that's one of the, the all-timers. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think for the longest time growing up, we didn't know anything about that stuff. And now I think the 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 secret is out about who that guy really was. And, uh, yeah, so he might be, you know, maybe even one of the newer additions to the list, despite having played 100 years ago. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let, why don't we wrap it up there? Uh, thanks for sticking around, Grant, uh, who stuck around this whole time. He's probably <laughs> the only one. He probably just died with his phone on accidentally. Um, so. <laughs> just so anybody, if anyone's watching the game, Ronald Acuna is up. The bases are loaded with two outs, and it's a 3-1 count. 
Oh, yeah. oh you know that- what? Real, real fast, since you know we're not going to talk about anything good with the Cubs here today, let's talk about some good. Uh, my young cousin uh, scored the game-winning goal in the NCAA tournament today for the Hawkeyes. They won their first round game. They move on. So that's that's a lot of fun that we're having here. Congratulations. That's exciting news. Yeah, it's cool. She's a, she's a defensive player, so she normally doesn't get opportunities. So Huh. Was it oh, was it like from a was it was it like from a pretty good distance? No, it was a uh it was a corner kick. So she was actually playing uh on the far side away from the corner as uh you know kind of just the outlet like they they bring up the defenders to have extra bodies and then if the ball doesn't go to them they got to run back down to their position but the ball got all the way through he handled it and just rocketed the ball straight into the middle of the path and it bounced off of one of the other teammates into the or one of the other team into their own goal nice so yeah and they, the team they were playing, by the way, I love it. The Campbell Camels. Campbell University Camels, which I've never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, not really uh, – not a lot of camels around the Midwest. <laughs> so, um, man, well, uh, here's some more good news we could end on. Williams got out of it. <laughs> got Pecunia to pop, fall out, and pop up. So that's really great. Nice. So, okay. Um, so let's end the room. Spookog. Spookog. His fastball clocks at one o three. A six four flame throw in lefty. A Rose's Chapman. Our oldest Chapman He's got a gun to throw the ball And one to shoot the garage wall Our oldest Chapman Our oldest Chapman when he's on the mound, he's throwing heat He will strike you out and you'll get beat So the minor leagues we will deplete Traded for Torres and McKinney Chapman Our oldest Chapman Our oldest Chapman His legal troubles will ignore Our oldest Chapman When the Cubs win, it's all in for Our World Series Our oldest Chapman Our oldest Chapman Some say the price is much too high For just a two-month rental guy 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com.